we cannot control, literally, we cannot control our subconscious brain. Emotions are part of our processing of information and decision making. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a podcast sponsored by Sapphire, home of frictionless digital systems. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and this month I'm talking about our emotions and the role they play in every buying decision we ever make. Yes, even in really big technology purchases. The role of psychology in business is fascinating, with the brain making all kinds of decisions about brand and trust, even before we actually know it. So I'm delighted and privileged to be joined by a total expert in this field, Kate Nightingale, consumer psychologist and founder of the consultancy Humanizing Brands. Welcome, Kate. Thank you very much, Lucy, for your invitation. Great to have you. Um, and look, we'll talk about the importance of making brands human, which is your thing in a moment. But just just bring us up to speed. How did you get into this? What's your background? Oh, my own idea when I was studying psychology, I was always very fascinated about human communication and how we use different things that we buy as forms of interaction and building relationships and how intriguing kind of our mind is um, in all of our aspects of, you know, relationships and social interactions and where that aspect of consumerism really uh, features in. So, um, yeah, so I kind of decided that this is the, you know, the job that I need to be doing, even though it did not exist at that time. <laughs> but um, yeah, now it's really um, an interesting part for, I, be, I think, every brand and pretty much most of the brand leaders tend to be sort of coming up to terms with the fact that um, understanding behavioral sciences is certainly allowing them to differentiate themselves in the market and become better. So I think I have the best job in the world. <laughs> it sounds like it, certainly. So look, let's dig into it a bit. What make buying decisions so emotional because I think we all like to think that we're rational beings but um, you would say that we're not no we actually not and it's not me it's the scientists that have been doing research for decades now um you know and discovered that basically our subconscious brain is way more powerful uh, than our conscious brain and uh, it's basically according to some really clever scientists that counted some really cool numbers they figured out that our subconscious brain can process 11 million bits of information per second versus our conscious brain that can barely manage 40. Now, uh, what that simply means is our brain is able to analyze every smell, every sound, every color, every taste, every, you know, everything, absolutely everything in a fraction of a second to figure out how do we need to therefore react to what is going on around us. This is the reason why we have been able to survive and thrive as species uh, because we don't have any other power hours like we wouldn't be able to fight a tiger for example it's literally impossible so the only thing that allows us to survive in those situation is an extremely fast and very accurate analysis of what is going on around us and automatic reaction without involving our rational conscious level of the brain that uh, would take something like three weeks to figure out you know how to run away from the tiger so <laughs> You know, so probably not the best use of our, um, you know, our ability, you know, to potentially survive. That's the challenge. But because 
we also kind of are built that way. Our brain is built that way. If we understand how it works, we can reverse engineer certain things for our brands, for how we design our brands, how we communicate them, to be able to take advantage of that normal process of processing information that the brain takes, and therefore that automatic reactions like, this is the stuff that I'm picking off the shelf, or this is the button that I'm going to press on the website, and this is the website I'm going to actually stay on, this is the one that I don't want to stay on. And you're making those decisions in a fraction of a second. So that's the kind of challenge is if we just think we're rational, it's not going to work because people don't think rationally. People, you know, people just react automatically. Emotions are part of our processing of information and decision making. They are just one of the elements that happens. The most important first thing is our senses, actually. They need to pick out everything that we're putting in front of our, our brain. And then we have the emotional reaction, which then leads to an attitude of approach or avoid, which then leads to an actual action of behavior, like pick up something from a shelf, press the button or leave uh, the website. That's the challenge. You know, what we know as business leaders is we want people to press that button or stay on the website. But what happens in a fraction of a second in a human brain that will lead them to it? That's the challenge. And that's what I basically do every day. This is the most fun part. <laughs> Brilliant. There's so much in there. Um, but I, I think from my point of view, that I can understand how that would be when you're picking up a beautiful thing or smelling something or you're buying perfume or furniture or um, some kind of retail item. What about when you're making some kind of big technology purchase, which is the kind of area that I work in? Does it work exactly the same? Are we still making those really quick decisions? Absolutely. Um, our brain doesn't change the way it's designed and works just because it's a different decision, right? Um, so we cannot control, literally, we cannot control our subconscious brain. It doesn't, it's impossible. You know, this is how it works. It works automatically. In a fraction of a second, it's going to make you do a certain thing. It's going to make you turn right, turn left, because something. You cannot control it. What you can, however, control is by a point, you kind of pretty much made a decision or almost made the decision on something, or you have an illusion that you made that decision consciously when you actually didn't, you know, that's when you can kind of, oh, why am I doing it? What made me kind of, I don't know, pick this thing up? It comes later. It comes as a post-rationalization. That's only when our consciousness comes in. And it's only when we make it come in. Because normally, let's say you go into a supermarket or you do your standard everyday actions. I basically call it a zombie mode. Because you're only pretty much using your subconsciousness. Like you don't think which thing you're picking up from the shelf. You're just going through the motions of doing exactly the same thing. Especially if you have a very kind of, you know, let's say if you have work that is very similar every day. Um, You know, you don't really kind of, you know, do much different stuff. Then you're pretty much just working on a zombie mode. The way we consume things as, you know, as consumers across everything, it doesn't matter whether we buying B2B or B2C, it's all still predominantly on that subconscious level, especially if it's something that we tend to do every day. So there could be an element, a tiny element at the end where you're turning on the conscious level of processing. But most of the time, 
you are like, okay, this is good, this is bad, you know, this this is the way we like communicating, or we know that brands, you know, B2B brands that communicate that way, uh, we can trust them and those ones, no, we can't. And you don't even think about it. You just kind of see a few posts or a couple of emails and you're like, yep, that's it. That That's done, you know? It could be a subtle tone of voice or it could be, you know, a particular color in a design of their brand or something. And you automatically know that you want to continue a conversation and that you are able to trust that company. Now, you haven't actually checked anything, no certifications, no nothing. You don't actually know how the product works. You just have this lovely feeling, which is basically your subconscious brain telling you, yep, they've designed it really well, very consistently. It all works. Yeah, we like it because it's very easy and pleasant for my brain. I don't have to analyze anything. Lovely, lovely. We go for it. Basically, it's kind of, you know, that that's how the brain going to go. Um, now, you can obviously, as we said, you can stop yourself and start analyzing what actually happened in my brain that I decided that it might work. But that's, you know, that's all you can do. You can't stop your subconscious brain from working the way it works. And it sounds very much like trust is the thing that we're all aiming for here and that we buy from people that we trust and therefore... We need to kind of reverse engineer for trust. Is that is that possible? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's totally possible. Now, you're correct. Uh, trust is extremely important in any kind of buying decision, but it's especially even more important in any more calculated kind of decisions or the ones that we feel should be more calculated. So the ones that kind of we take a little bit longer to ponder about and stuff like that. Whereas, for example, the, you know, the emotions that we attach to the brands um, are much more kind of in charge in our decisions when we are making a more indulgent, impulsive decision. So, uh, but nevertheless, trust will be important across the board for all of the different brands. And that aspect of trust and the importance of it has been growing over the last few years, even more so, especially since the beginning of pandemic and now with, you know, with the challenging economic circumstances. So that that is extremely crucial. Now, one of the easiest and fastest way of achieving intuitive trust that basically, so your subconscious brain immediately knows you can trust it is by achieving a subconscious sensory consistency. What I mean by that is uh, every stimulus in the world, color, shapes, textures, sounds, everything, absolutely everything that we as brands use um, to communicate has a set of subconscious associations already attached to it. Some of those associations are entirely evolutionary. Some of them are more socially and culturally driven. And some of them are more very individual due to your own personal experience. But nevertheless, whenever we are exposed to that particular stimulus, so let's say a specific color, right? Color blue or something, which a lot of tech companies would use, our brain automatically opens up a box with those subconscious associations in the hat. Now, but you're not only using the color, you're using shapes, uh, using certain words, uh, using facial expressions of, you know, of people in your adverts or images or whatever else. You're using textures or at least implied textures, you know, in an imagery. Um, you know, you're using movement as well, or even implied movement, loads of other sensory elements. Now, and all of them have to have very similar subconscious associations so, you know, color needs to mean very similar things as the shapes mean and so on and so on. That's when you're going to achieve consistency. And the reason why our subconscious brain is able to work that fast 
is because of that consistency. As soon as you do not have that consistency, your brain goes like, eh, I don't really know what that is, but I feel superbly uncomfortable. Let me leave that website, you know? And that is a message that you can't trust, right? Whereas if there is a consistency, you feel very pleasant and relaxed and lovely. And yeah, I can trust you, of course. You know, so that is that really intuitive trust. Now, but that doesn't change the fact that you need to continuously prove trust. Your brain will still choose things that are consistent with that first impression that it got, because obviously of the consistency, right? It only wants to achieve you know, perceive things that are basically consistent with what it already thinks about you, because then it doesn't create that conflict, but it supports the consistency, right? So obviously, we'll still kind of look at things that that are going to be consistent. So we'll automatically try to support the trust. But if you keep showing that no, you're actually not trustworthy, if you keep showing things that are opposite that first impression, then obviously, you the brain will start having a conflict and you'll be like, no, I can't really trust you. So yes, you can achieve an intuitive trust very quickly by that by having that amazing subconscious consistency, but you need to continuously prove it step by step as well. So you're kind of across the time consistency and also across different communication channels consistency needs to be there as well all the time. Now I'm starting to see how we could build this not only in the real world, but in the virtual world and the metaverse and we've been very interested in that this year I know I've seen you writing about it um, on LinkedIn and I know that I can ask you about this I mean have you started to get excited about building consistent virtual worlds which will excite people oh yeah absolutely we even worked on some projects kind of related to um, metaverse and personalization things like that there there is tremendous opportunities and and one thing that um is still surprising me across um people working in metaverse is that lack of understanding that we can actually make it entirely multisensory um now what I'm referring to is um, there is plenty of scientific evidence showcasing that exposure, visual exposure to various other sensory elements, such as te- texture, you know, temperature or, you know, sound or, um, you know, or smell even, or basically things like making you remember or imagine those elements, those sensory elements is activating your brain, the parts of the brain responsible for processing that specific sense, basically in a pretty much exactly the same way and intensity as if you were physically smelling, touching, you know, tasting something. So we can pretty much get you multisensory experience if we just know which buttons to press on your brain. Whereas what's is happening is, oh, let's design the gloves that make you feel, or let's design a suit that makes you feel something, or let's pump out the smell. You don't actually have to do it. You can do it by just using, you know, visual elements or words or, you know, certain um, certain sounds as well. It is extremely possible. And therefore, that experiences are so much more immersive, so much more engaging and so much more impactful as well on our experience as humans um, and can also make us, therefore, look at the world, perceive the world differently and perhaps even lead to attitude and behavior change, which is what we're also trying to all the time do with as many innovations as possible, right? 
to make us more sustainable or more uh, pro-social, for example, or whatever else, right? All of those things are extremely possible, but it's just kind of the more you understand the science behind how we are built as human beings, the more amazing things you can create. And that that's why I love doing what I'm doing because of the power of putting the science into practice. I'm interested in just picking up on on how do you think that the science can be used to make us more sustainable then? Do you think it can change the messages? Can it change our behavior? Well, absolutely. So uh, I'm quite vocal as well about that. We we work with so many different sustainable and socially impactful businesses, especially a lot of startups that are trying to kind of challenge the status quo around that. But the major thing um, about sustainable communication um, up until very recently is that there were the basically we we keep kind of hearing them talking to the rational brain to the conscious brain to you know and activating things like guilt and shame which do not lead to a sustained uh you know by any way behavioral change and attitude change right because what you're going to do is you might activate a single behavior due to guilt and shame but then uh, a customer or a person will have to basically reward themselves for for being so good or you know or basically kind of do a form of a retail therapy because they feel so bad that they don't normally feel you know that they don't normally behave sustainably uh that therefore you know they're going to go and indulge in something that isn't sustainable right so the challenge is not to communicate to the conscious brain and not to use guilt and shame and social pressure and those kind of elements because they might create a very short-term reactions um, that seem sustainable or they might create people telling you that they want to be sustainable, which what we keep seeing in survey-based results. But then when we actually look at their, uh, you know, at their purchases, most of them aren't sustainable, Right. Now, it's not because they don't necessarily want to be that. It's because we have not changed the subconscious associations behind what is sustainable and what is the benefit of me buying something sustainable. Because when you are asking people to be sustainable, you're asking them to do something not for themselves, not for the benefit of themselves personally or their closest friends and family, you are asking them to do something that's much, much more impactful in terms of a wider group of people and more often than not, much in a future. Now, we are not originally designed that way. I'm not sure if any of you know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, probably quite a lot of people will do. So um, most of the needs on a Maslow's hierarchy up until later on in Maslow's research, were basically purely about me as an individual getting something out of fulfillment of those needs. Only later on in his research, Maslow added a need called self-transcendence, which is on the top of, um, you know, completely on the top of the pyramid. And if you look for the pyramid, most of the versions of the pyramid you will find don't have the self-transcendence need. Now, self-transcendence is the only need that actually showcases that when we are fulfilling those needs, they're going to have an external benefit, such as, you know, sustainability or social impact or charity or whatever else. Now, but let's be honest, most of us do not have a good enough fulfillment of the lower levels of needs, especially with everything that has been going on in the last few years. Therefore, we haven't been 
awarded an opportunity to actually grow up to that self-transcendence level. We want it. We want it. We're expressing that want, uh, especially in very well-developed countries and uh, across the across the groups, you know, that are that are living in a good socioeconomic status. So all of that, yes, absolutely. But let's face it: people that would be living all the time on the self-transcendence level, that's maybe Dalai Lama. You know, most of us are not there. Most of us occasionally dip the toes uh, in that, whereas most of the time what we do need is we need the fulfillment of lower levels of need. So if you're not only going to start changing the subconscious associations behind certain products or services that are more sustainable, but more importantly, selling them from the lower levels of needs, like make me belong somewhere or make me feel important or make me feel like it's also beneficial to my well-being and oh by the way i can also save a dolphin then yes i will buy that right and those brands that have been doing it for the last few years actually focusing on the on the lower level of needs that we really really need and also making sure that they have that element of sustainability on top of that but that wasn't the first major communication but the major communication was here is a great community or here is an amazing way to improve your well-being or here is a great way to, you know, to secure the safety of your children or whatever else. And can also feel really good because we're also doing good for the planet. Then this is just another reason for me to buy it. It kind of just pushes me through that threshold of, yeah, OK, you are a better version of a product than the one that isn't as sustainable. But it's not going to be the major driver for me to come in and buy that product, even though survey-based studies will tell you that this is the case. But those that aren't surveys-based and actually look at the drivers and motivations show you that it will be far down your priorities list most of the time. That's a brilliant insight and excellent advice for anybody out there who's trying to sell anybody anything. I mean, this has been a brilliant chat. Um, Kate, where can we find you um, if people want to take this further or join your communities or where, where's the best place to uh, to associate with you? You can pop over to our website, humanizing-brands.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. We post quite a lot of stuff on LinkedIn as well as on Instagram. So uh, feel free to connect over there and ask any questions. Um, it would be absolutely lovely to continue that conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating. Now that's it for this edition of The Growth Business. Please do subscribe if you don't already. We're on Apple, Spotify, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, goodbye.